Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. to another episode of Get it Going. I forgot the whole name of this podcast. You don't know the name of your own podcast. Welcome to another episode of Going Out with Jake Cornell. I am Jake Cornell, and you know, the new thing, we're starting off every episode with a little hang with my producer, Katie Brown. Hey, guys. Um, okay, wait, I realized we haven't like talked about this because you live in the East Village. Are yes. you comfortable having that on the internet? I'm comfortable. Okay. I'm comfortable. Just don't say like my, you know, my address, apartment number. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't know Mother's maiden name. <laughs> Pin. Where are you, where do you like to go out in East Village? Oh my God. Because I used to, I had like an East, I've had multiple East Village phases of my life. I'm not really in one right now, but I've had them in the past. Yeah. I mean, the East Village is funny because I feel like you can have so many different kinds of nights in the East Village depending on like what you're in the mood to do. Like I feel like you could have you could go to like some of the most like interesting cocktail bars and like sit and have like a totally. nice conversation and like a couple drinks or you could like go to the most fun like dance party. You know? Totally. Yeah, I feel like I do really love the East Village because I do think it just has so much proximity to so much. Like it's yeah. the easiest like if someone's like, "Oh, this thing is happening in East Village." I feel like that's your highest I feel like it's pound for pound your highest, like, place where people will be willing to go. Yeah. I find that my apartment is often, like, a meeting spot for people because I have friends that live in Brooklyn and I have friends that live in Midtown. Um, and so everyone kind of can commune in the East Village. It's, like, right in the middle. You have friends that live in Midtown. That's so interesting to me. They live in, like, Murray Hill. Like, post-college <sighs> Murray Hill vibes. Yeah. I do forget you're younger than me. That's really intense. I know. I think that... The ones who are living there right now are hopefully moving soon. But this is like what we talked about, like with like peaking in college, like living in, <laughs> <laughs> like living in Murray Hill has peaked in college energy. <laughs> yeah, and they're better than that, you know. And I think that they they are better. They're than in that. the window. Like this is like the thing is, it's <laughs> like you don't have to. You can you can be peaked in college energy and then break out of it and have another peak. You just have to have a new peak. Is the thing. Yes, and I will say, like as a you know, woman that lives by myself like <laughs> it would be nice to have a doorman i kind of see why people do it sure but is that the main draw of murray hill is that you can afford a doorman you can get like a building with a doorman and okay. like people who like didn't grow up in new york like they're like oh i need a doorman i need to live here you know and that to them is is safety yeah because it like someone Cause not because not just like anyone can walk into your apartment building i guess but the building's locked i know I don't know. And the, f the funny thing is, I was actually just there this morning because um, 
Ariella, who works at Vine Pair, also just got a puppy and she was dropping her dog off with my friend. Okay. And I walked in and like, it's just a running joke. Like I walk in, I could say like, hi, I'm here to murder my friends. And then he'd be like, okay, go That's have what fun. I'm saying. It's like, I guess I just don't really understand like the. It's, it's like the concept, but like in practice, it doesn't actually make any sense. <laughs> it's funny to me because I feel like you, like it always, I always like forget that you didn't grow up here because I feel like you have had such a rich like you, you feel like I grew up here? Like, I just feel like you know New York so well and have lived in so many different parts of New York and, like, have such a, like, love affair with New York in a way that, like, I am, like, from afar, I'm like, oh, I wish I felt that way. Like, I don't know if I, like, love New York the same way that you love New York. Like, I like it. Do you plan to live here long term? No, I want to live somewhere with, like, trees and fresh air. Fair. I just have, I grew up with that and I have no interest. It's just <laughs> like. you're like, ew, it's gross. It's not like, ew, it's gross. It's just like, I grew up so fucking bored. I was like, I want to go do something. There's something to do. Like, movies would come out and I'd be like, all right. Like, a movie would come out, unless it was like a Marvel movie. But like, if it was like a, like an oscar movie, uh-huh. it would come to my hometown probably two months after it came out, if at all. So it's like, I just was like, constantly like, I don't want to live like this. Like, so like, separated from yeah. like, modern, like pop culture mod like whatever i mean i've only lived in technically four but barely one of them i've i've lived in three neighborhoods in new york but i i mean they one was upper manhattan one was two and then two of them were in brooklyn so it's like i've lived on two kind of like ends of or two ends of a spectrum, I guess, but I don't live like super, super deep into Brooklyn. I live in like central Brooklyn, but it's like you do New York right though. Like you like biked here this morning. Like you like you like you have. I feel like you just like you're always well, doing stuff. You're always going places. You're like I. If I were you, like I would never want to come into our studio like in person. But you you're always like oh I want to come in. Like I'll just walk. No, yeah, and that's the <laughs> thing. Okay, well one you have to. Okay, I'm like I have too many things to say and I'm not formulating thought. One people are always like. Oh, like New York is the best place. Like New York, pe- like New York, obviously has this reputation of being like the best city in the world. People love it here, and it's like if you like, it's kind of like there's like there's social clout to liking New York or like loving New York. But the thing about you have to put work into it. Like it's not an easy place to live, and it's not like if you unless you're fuck off rich, like living <laughs> here will not just be easy. Like it is something you kind of have to actively combat against being depressed and being down. Like, but. And I think that's okay because, like, like it's, like, it's about, like, being, like, no, I need to get out of my apartment. I need to go for a walk. Oh, like, what am I – and I also have the enormous privilege of not having a 9-to-5 job now. Like, you know what I mean? So I have, like, the thing of, like, I can build my schedule to be, like, okay, I need to listen to this podcast and do edits. Well, I can do that while I walk to the studio to record this week's episode. And, like, that's part of my work day, but I'm, like, walking in the city. Like, my life is very conducive to loving New York, and I love – and I do things that kind of uh, like lend to do, lend themselves to loving New York. I like. Yeah, I mean, your job is also like part of like the New York nightlife scene. <laughs> <so you have laughs> and that. restaurants, yeah. So it's like that's the thing is it's like it's you have to like, you have to like going out. I think, and you have to like being out and about. Like I've never been. I think I've never been a homebody. Um, and so it's like I love. Yeah, like, I'm going to bike here to the city. Jess and I are going to go. Jess, who we just recorded an episode with. Jess and I are going to go. I'm going to grab my bike. We're going to go shopping for plants. Like, and then I have work to do when I get home. And, like, I'm like the perfect day. Yeah, but it's, like, I don't think it's, like, and that being said, there are people who do love New York, I think, and are homebodies. They're just different than me. I don't really understand how that works, but I do believe they exist. Yeah, I just don't, like, yeah. I guess you could, 
I feel like New York is the one place that, like, if I was just, like, sitting at home all day, I'd feel so guilty about it. Well, there's that's, so much you could yeah, be doing. that is how I constantly feel, and I think that's why I'm, like, never home. But that being said, <laughs> it's, like, there are people who are doing New York better than me. Like, I, like, don't, like, I still haven't, like, really properly done, like, food and flushing. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't done, there are, like, things on my list that I still haven't gotten to, and I've lived here for eight years at this point. Right. So it's, like, and there's still, like, obviously, like, it's kind of nice to not feel like I've done everything, but you do have to be someone who, like, loves doing shit. Yeah. And it's not like, yeah, I don't think pe- when people, people who say like, I love New York and then are like, they're not just like sitting around not doing anything. It's like, you have to go kind of do it. You have to make the life for yourself that you love New York. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people, I think the, the, the notion that New York is amazing and the best place to live is more popular and widespread than that follow up notion of like, you have to be, if it's the best place to live in the best place to be, if you, if X, Y, Z, Y things are true. Like, you know, and I think so you see a lot of like, I feel like I see a lot of like TikToks and tweets of people talking about how it's like not actually like people being like, it's not actually great that that great. It's really that hard. It's really hard. And those people, I I, I always like kind of investigate and like, what's the story here? Like what's behind them? And one, (laughs) they're usually within their first two years of moving here. And you know what? I get it. And are they an only child? (laughs) Probably an only child. But it's like. You always love to be like, yeah, they're an only child. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me started. But it's like. But it's like, for, granted, your first two years, I think, are fucking hard. Like, yeah. anywhere you move, but New York especially. But then it's also like, oh, the things you're describing about, like, why you're unhappy here, yeah, you shouldn't be here. Like, if you're like, I feel like I don't have a lot of, like, I don't have, like, a lot of closet space. Or, like, I don't have, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or, like, I miss nature. I really miss going on hikes. It's like, those are valid things, and you should go. You should not live in New York. No, you, you shouldn't. And hiking. that's totally okay. <laughs> But it's like I think people don't want to say that New York's not for them or feel like New York should be for them, and it's like it's it's not. It's not. You're that's totally okay. I love New York. I love living here. It's just not like where I I don't think I'm somebody that's like I want to like grow old here. Like I just like I feel like at some point I want to like be on a beach with my dog and just like vibing and yeah. like not like see another human for a while. I I sort of fantasize about being someone who ends up in the Rockaways. Ooh. Which is New York still, but as like, I say, like that's funny because I'm like that's still New York. No, like, I know, but like right I do like the idea of like being an oldie city. who can who's like out has like just like a house in the Rockaways and just goes like I do kind of love those people you see on Brighton Beach who have fully turned to leather. I <laughs> I'm like that looks like kind of a sick life. There's a whole community of like surfers that actually like fully live in Rockaway. And I know. Commute in for work. I'm, like, I'm not above it. I think about it sometimes. I'm not like not anytime soon, but I see a world where like when I'm feeling a little more creaky i go out to the the rockaways and i bet you'll find a whole more new like exciting going out scene there (sighs) (laughs) well before that happens we have an episode for you this is a special one um this episode is with one of my closest friends one of my dearest collaborators um we have a show together called man and woman that we wrote and star in that has gone up in new york it's gone up in los angeles and this summer, all of August, it is going to be running at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, so I will be there in Scotland the whole month doing the show with her. It's such a fun show. It's called Man and Woman. Please come see us if you are anywhere in the general UK area. Um, yeah, she is a stand-up. She's a comedian. She's so funny. This is, like, she's just the best. This was just me hanging out with one of my closest friends for an hour. So please enjoy me going out with Marsha Belsky. Uh, how are you? How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm good. I'm chilling. Um, yeah, chilling. Um, 
obviously we're here to talk about going out. I think you and I have done a decent amount together, but we used to not because we we were OG pandemic friends. That was like our connection. We were, yeah, because that's like we didn't we weren't going out when we first met. We were like out Chilling at the up park or like at protests or at your roof. Yeah, it was and really then, protests or the roof were like kind of the two spots. Yeah, because that's all we were doing because we were like in the house from March till like nobody came out until the protests started happening like yeah. that was like the first because then I think people went out they were like fuck it and we went out for the protests and then um afterwards we were like well we're outside I mean <laughs> well, <laughs> we might as well stay like, outside yeah once you were in like after you went to like a, a 30,000 person march and people didn't really get COVID from it you're like okay like I guess right now outside is safe like it and it made yeah and something about summer like we still don't know anything but it's like it seemed like the numbers that was what was hard last year too is summer we all were kind of like all right we're gonna get through this and then winter got like really brutal <laughs> and it's like thing. I remember sitting outside the last time I went out last year it was like November and I was sitting outside with a friend and it was freezing like we were outside just like I was so cold and I remember thinking to myself like all right see you in four months like I was like what am I gonna do I'm just gonna hibernate like I kind of had you guys as a pod but we didn't really hang out inside that much like yeah because it still didn't feel safe and you were working yeah that was the thing is like I was constantly exposed so we couldn't really do any sort of like quarantining which was a bummer but I'm curious because I guess like so I usually I usually start off the podcast by asking the guests like something along the lines of like what does going out mean to you um which I guess I can ask you but I also feel like I have a general idea of it because we go out together a lot now but like what does it mean to you I mean I I was thinking about how so much of my going out experiences with comedy um where like I was just going out to do comedy for so long that like, that's really what I do. And then totally. occasionally I'll like go to Marie's crisis. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and that's like, um, wait, so yeah. So you used to do, you were talking about how, so before you're coming, it was very much tied in with comedy specifically. Yeah. I think like I started comedy when I was 19 and I had like a fake ID and I thought it was like very cool, you know? And so I was using that just to go out and do stand-up um and was so the town just, where you because i know you were your town was in that your college was in oregon but was it it wasn't like portland oh no it was portland it was portland yeah oh, i started word. in portland i'm from oklahoma i'm from tulsa oklahoma and then i started comedy in portland and then i've been in new york for like uh since 2013 right so yeah, but started in, in was very much tied to comedy in portland yeah and just tied to comedy in general because i you know, and going to music shows, I think a lot when I was younger, but I would mostly just go out. Like, that's what was weird is my stand up life was so intermingled with my social life because I was just, I would use all my going out time to do stand up. And that felt like the same to me. Like, it just felt like fun. And then when it started getting more serious, I was like, wait, I need to. Like, this is a big realization I had this year. I was like, stand-up doesn't feel like going out anymore. You know, that's, like, my yeah, work. So yeah. I have to set time aside for myself to, like, just go out to dinner with friends, just go out for drinks and not have, like, a comedy activity centering all of us there. Because for a long time, all my social interactions were just centered in comedy. Like, there always had to be a mic or a show or something going on for all us to be there and not feel awkward, basically. 
totally. And then, you know, now I'm like just realizing like it was starting to feel really draining. And I also was drinking too much at shows. And I was like, you know, this really has to be like my workspace now. And it can still be fun and I can still, you know, but that's kind of the hard thing is you still want the audience to feel like you're out with them. But it's like when you're a server, like their their leisure time is not you're the one working. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's I like people when they visit, yeah. I don't know how the stand-ups who do it, like, who do, like, four spots in a night at the cellar and are just, like, kicking it, drinking the whole time. Like, I don't really know how they're able to do that. Like, I find that to be such an impressive skill. It's impressive in a bad way, though, right? Because no, it's, like, it's, like, it's not healthy. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I realized. Like, I had this epiphany of, like, I definitely get why so many comics and performers have had drug issues over the years because you have to sustain that high and kind of, like, delude yourself that you are just hanging out but you're also putting a ton of work in and having to be a very on version of yourself but I think with the seller crowd this is like super reductive I'm not talking about everybody there but I guess when I think of like the old guard like so much of their power and identity is wrapped up in them being like revered and respected and always on as comics but that's why there's like a dark side to comedy because that's like not the reality and it's actually like a very sad you know, it's like when they're not sitting at the bar drinking, I think they feel very alone. Like, so it's like it's they so want to just true. be sitting there all night. Yeah, I feel so similarly. Like, I feel so similar. Like, I think that my time at um, UCB was kind of this, like, pre, like a preview into how it's like a microcosm of how, like, the comedy world works at large. Cause it was like a smaller scale version of the same thing where it's like, you become this, you see people become this like celebrity to this very small group of very dedicated people. And like, there's this level of like delusion that you have to keep up. If that's like what you're actually there for, if what you're there for is like feeling that power, it's like, you have to, you're like kind of, you have to keep this fantasy and like keep it going and make you feel Mm -hmm. like you are really important in a specific way. But it's like, because like if your identity is wrapped up in the validation of this like audience's approval or this like community's approval, but you know that it doesn't exist outside of there, it becomes like a exactly. Really That's why space. I'm glad I like trusted my. I like started therapy. When I was 27 or 28 because I was having really bad panic attacks, and I had this like thing where I was like, you catching the sickness of that needing that external validation as a comedian and that being the reason you got into this now will be hugely important later, and it has been because it's like. I still struggle with it, but like, you know, I've realized that that is never going to be enough. Like, and it's like, it's never enough for those people because also people move on from who their heroes are. And then what's, what's the hero left with? 100%. Like they're just left with, I told myself, I was like, and this is, sad. this is sad. I don't know. This is it's funny. Cause this is how I am going out is I'm like, I'm going to go have a good time. And I just immediately am like psychoanalyzing strangers <laughs> talking about like dark <laughs> shit. Like people are like, Marsha's not fun. Let's just not invite no, her. She's funny Marcia on stage, but she's really bleak. <laughs> Marsha and I are, go out and we're like the two most Scorpio Scorpios that have ever existed where it's like no small talk and she's trying to be like no because at her core she is a misogynist and like we're like literally just like going that was our connection that's true it's like we both have this intensity that I think when we first met we realized like matched each other like and yeah. then it's funny I did find out you're a Scorpio like I always just call you my brother because I think we kind of look alike in a way too like 100% I think yeah. it like makes sense that we're definitely cut from like a similar like cloth cloth. in that way yeah Yeah. no but it's been fun I think something that's been really fun with our friendship like 
has been as like the world has reopened a bit and like we've been going out is kind of you and I are both in this space have been in this space of like reassessing our relationship to going out for different reasons and in different ways and it's been really beautiful to watch you like I feel like I've watched you and like correct me if I'm wrong because we've never like talked about this but like I feel like I've watched you like kind of like fall in love with going out for going out sake being like let's Mm -hmm. go out and have a nice cocktail and like enjoy the space and like Yes, and that's I, funny because that has been really important to me this year because the pandemic kind of gave me that back in a way because I had been in a tunnel of just comedy for so long. And, totally. you know, I did that in high school and in college, like, but going out just for going out sake was literally like not a reality in my 20s, because especially in New York, I was using all of my energy to like ingratiate myself in the comedy scene. Like if I had, and I was working food service too. So I would like get off work at 11 and like go to an open mic at 11. And that was my social life as I would stay drinking with those people, get to know them. Like, but it was all kind of not calculated because I only like forming connections that I genuinely like, but like it was, it all, it had to feel productive. Like it was like, I didn't want to socialize unless it felt like, I was contributing towards my career and goals because I was so anxious that I wasn't going to make my career and goals. It was like, I had to spend every second working towards it. And, and the social part is a huge part of the comedy thing. Like people get resentful, but it's like, you can't only do that. You can't only hang. You have to also be a good comedian, but there are some good comedians that are overlooked that maybe shouldn't be because they're not willing to do the hang. And it's like, and it's like, you have to, you have to, people need to feel like you're a part of the community and you need to kind of like it's for you too like you know I, I I totally agree but I and I also think like but also it's like you have to I do feel bad for comedians who like don't know like I'm sure it's hard to do it when you genuinely don't enjoy that level of socializing because I mm-hmm. wouldn't ever tell someone like do this thing if you don't like doing it but I do just think in general like I think kind of to tie what you were talking about about like a lot of people having issues is like I think what the root of a lot of the issues is, is that we are sort of taught, and this isn't just unique to comedians, I think. I think we are sort of taught that going out needs an ulterior motive. Like, you're either going out to find a hookup. Networking. you're You're going out to make friends or you're going out to network. And I do think, like, the healthiest version of going out truly I actually think just to let off steam and have going, fun yes is going out for going out sake because that's when you start making real connections too because like when I started you know it's like it's so nice the rare nights I would have even in my 20s where I'm like oh I'm out right now just because I want to be I just know. because I'm and having those are fun, always I, the best yeah. nights because it's like you're not going out like there's also no way the night can be a flop if like all the goal is is to like, go out and have fun where it's like I used to go out when I was. I younger. have flop nights like that though. I'm sorry, but I think I'm kind of like <laughs> I just like that's kind of my problem. That's why I don't like go out a lot is because sometimes I'll like be like, yes, I want to have fun, and then I just show up and the vibe is like immediately not what I want, and I'm just like, no, none of you, bye. Sure, <laughs> sure. But I guess I'm saying like when you go out like being like tonight I want to hook up with a boy. Like if that's like the one goal you go out, you're probably missing like your friend. You're probably missing like opportunities totally. to do other fun shit because you're totally focused on this one goal. And I think maybe going in with more of an open mind will lead to having a more fun night. Exactly. No. Yeah. No. But it's true. Like you said. Like I have really fallen in love with just like that's why it's fun. Like our friendship because I was saying all my pandemic friends. Like it feels like college friends again, where it's like you're just kind of put together in circumstances, and you get to know who you like, and you get to know each other on a deeper level. And, like, there's a loyalty there. Like, 
and it's it's been it's tough when all your socializing is comedy for so long and that's why it's like I don't really meet a lot of people outside of comedy because I'm not really ever just out even when I'm out though like I don't love talking to strangers like I need to get better at that because like it seems like it should be something I love like my dad loves it and I like used to be extroverted but now I think that I just am so drained socially like that I just like yeah you know what I I mean I wish I was better at it too but I also think part of it is like when you're busy and you're like wanting like if I'm like going to meet up with like you for a drink, like maybe I haven't seen you in a week and like we actually do just have a lot to catch up on. And if like then like a stranger gets involved and like it's like, okay, well obviously we're not gonna have the same conversation <laughs> we have before because like, with exactly and it's like I do wanna have that conversation. But I, I get like I'm totally admirable of I am envious of the people who can just like grab a stranger and like have a, a convo and a night with them. Like and maybe every once in a blue moon, but I do think it'll that's happen true. to me sometimes. That's what's funny, is what what I've realized lately is like when I just let go and stop trying to make every night like the most that's like what what your 30s is is like in your <laughs> 20s you're like every time you go out you're like this is gonna has to be fucking epic memories forever and it's like yeah. I would always find myself so disappointed I think because I would set my expectations of a night really high and then now I'm like realizing it's like not every night you're gonna meet somebody but if you go out with your friends like you know a few times a month and on a random night you just happen to find a connection with a friend, a guy, like whoever it is, the bartender. Like I love, I love like, that's what I like about going out is like getting to know the staff. And like, I just always have to feel like I'm their favorite. (laughs) And so if they don't like, but I don't do annoying shit. I'm not like trying to be their favorite. Like, Hey, could you make, you know what I mean? I'm just like trying to be so low maintenance that they think I'm so cool. (laughs) Like fall in love with me. Like give me free shots. They're like, thank you for never asking me for anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's totally, it's like, it's almost like a version of being like a toxic girl, like a toxic girl approach relationships where it's like, don't ask the boy for anything and he'll like. And that's exactly how I approach relationships. No, I'm like trying to get out of that. Like where it's like, you know, people pleasing, but with bartenders, I'll, I'll never get out of it. Like I have to be that way. But it's funny because I was, I get so hurt. I don't take it personal though when somebody's just obviously in a bad mood, but I do get hurt like, cause I want to be liked by them. But then I was the type of like barista and bartender that it didn't matter who you are. Like if you walked into the place I was working, I was pissed at you. I would like randomly like people, but most of the time people would just be totally normal ordering. I'd be like, okay. No, you. I would catch myself getting like, I would catch myself getting so mad people at someone. People are annoying. For Their faces like, are annoying. Disease. And I was like, I objectively know that's not your fault. But I'm <laughs> Wait, so dude, allergies when I was a server. Like I was like, I know I'm a bitch, but like, because <laughs> the problem is, the problem is high maintenance people have made it really bad for people with actual serious allergies no, it because sucks. it makes them seem high maintenance because there are people who are just fucking lying who are like, tell the chef no onions. Literally, I could die. And then like I but this girl like would always do that. And then she turned to me and she's like, I'm not actually allergic. But like you have to say that because then they actually care and then they actually won't put it in. And it's like if you're not going to die from onions, don't tell them you're going to die from onions because you can pick them out. Like, you will be fine. Like, yes, it's so, it's like so frustrating. Like, all, like the allergy shit I could talk about for hours because it's so <laughs> fucking annoying. It's but not it fair is, to like, people with actual allergy. I knew a girl who got really, really sick from like, what was she allergic to? Peanut butter or something. And she was like, it sucks because like, or maybe it was celiacs. She was like, people think that yeah, I'm just like, like gluten free like, bitch. Died. Yeah, but she was like, pe- no, but celiac, she had it, like, really bad, or she'd get, like, go to the hospital, like, really, yeah, really no, sick. Celiac, if you have true celiac, like, you can't touch gluten, it's so But bad. true celiac, it's like ADD, it's like, 
true celiac is really rare, but for the people who have it, it's really, really bad. But there are all these people who have gluten sensitivities who, who say they have celiacs. And she's like, it sucks because I have really strict diet things. And I feel like I, she's like, I just don't go out to eat. Cause I feel like a bitch when I go out to eat. That and sucks. it's like, that, that's like sucks. That truly yeah. breaks my heart. That fucking sucks. Cause she has also like a uh, can't eat like dairy or something. Yeah. But I do, I get like, and like, I'll never send back anything. Like we talked about when Melissa was on, never. Like, I literally couldn't, I'll like never send back anything like in my life. Like, simply and it ever. sucks sometimes. Cause I'm kind of a picky eater, but I'm still not going to send it back. Like, and it's like, but I also don't like, I'll look at the dish and if what, I can tell like, okay, I really like it, but there's like two or three things I don't like in it. I just won't get the dish. Like, I'm not going to go through like, can they do this and this and then be mad when they don't? Totally. Like- Same. Like I'm allergic to like, I, fu- I have this like rare curse where I absolutely love seafood, but I'm specifically allergic to shrimp and nothing else. And so like sometimes like a seafood pasta will have like everything I want and more. Wait, I didn't sh- know this. I need to get yeah. an EpiPen. Wait, lucky for you. I've been watching this girl makes these videos about how to stab an EpiPen. I've been really studying it. So if it ever happens to you, just okay, know that cool. i've got you i'm Thank ready you. it's not Do you carry like 100... one with you no because it's like ugh, it's this whole story where it's like basically i just like ate one shrimp once and then was walking to the train <laughs> and then like started to like cough in a way i've never coughed before where it was like <laughs> coughing and gagging and my why throat... is this funny to me i'm sorry <laughs> well it's also it was after a shift at work and so i was like walking through the west village and i was like doing this weird like it i feel like i probably looked like when a cat is about to vomit and they're like <laughs> <It's> whole body <laughs> and i was like but it wasn't like nausea it was like coughing but it was like coughing and like retching and gagging and i was like, oh my god because you had like hives in your throat yeah i think so and then i was standing on the corner of like 12th and 7th and i was like do i get on the subway right now to go home and then like i'm on a train if something like right worse or do i like go to this hospital that's right here and be like i think i'm having an allergic reaction and so i like go in and i'm like i think i'm having an allergic reaction and my throat hurts and they were like they like looked and they were like yeah your throat is super swollen but like it doesn't seem to be swelling anymore like we just have to monitor you for 10 minutes and then you can go and i was like seems okay, odd I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they charged my insurance forty two hundred thousand exactly but then like i so then i like had a call with an allergist where i was like hey like i got i had they like they told me to like reach out to an allergist or something and then they were like so you could do a full allergy panel which would involve us doing pricks on your back and you can't shower for a week or you can just assume you're allergic to shrimp and never eat shrimp again and i was like i don't really like i was like i don't (laughs) that's nice i told you that i worked for an allergist that was like i loved her though i was obsessed with her she worked in the upper east side she like I worked for her for like half a year and I still can't tell you if any of that shit is real because like people would come in they do all these tests but but they I'm like are you getting any better like I don't think like so like yeah yeah they'd bring in their kids and stuff and it's all like it's like chiropractic well it's not like chiropractic because like she could do she could give out prescriptions and stuff like she was a doctor well yeah and I think the American Medical Medical Association like like does recognize allergy MDs. stuff yeah whereas like but that everybody pays out of pocket because like none of it's covered and i actually like oh, yeah i had there was like those were like the richest people i'd ever like encountered it was sure. this very small private office but i was a temp getting like i didn't give a shit about that Fuck job that. and they would be so this guy would come in he was this like slumlord actually i can't say his name on the podcast i'll probably get sued um but his name rhymes with labac and okay. he like he I guess was this really powerful billionaire. I heard him on the phone with Donald Trump one time, literally, when Trump was no. in the primaries. It was this really small office and he's on his cell phone being like, We're all rooting for you, like we hate Marco Rubio, good luck in Florida. <laughs> oh like it was God. like this like and I was like, he's on the phone with Donald Trump. And then um 
I never remembered his name, genuinely never remembered his name. And he would get so upset. He was like this like 65 year old billionaire wearing boat shoes, upset that like the 22 year old receptionist didn't know who he was. And then he got one time he goes like, it's Labac. Maybe next time you'll remember. And he was so sad. And I was like, this is crazy how their ego works that like he thinks like it just disrupts his illusion that he's like this omnipotent. Like, yeah, yeah. Like a king. so then I made a point every time because this guy was a dick to his wife. He had this really mousy wife and he would just like yell at her. And like when he would come in, I'd be like, what is it? He'd be like, the back. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I'm obsessed with that yeah That's so i don't know why i brought but anyways i forget, that has nothing to do with going out but no but you're gonna get tangents with me babe <laughs> <laughs> what are your okay what are some of your favorite spots to go out like if you're if you're like excited to go out for dinner in new york like where are you going this it's funny because i'm so bad at this because i'm i am so envious of the skill that you and my friend allison Libby have where, like, you could be in an area and just kind of remember what's, like, you've been to and, like, what's good in that area. I'm so bad. Like, I always just find, like, two restaurants by my place that I can tolerate to eat. And then somebody comes in town tolerate, and it's, like, not even love. <laughs> even like. love. Just, like, a, I have, like, a sandwich, like, corner store and then, like, another place. And, like, like an Italian spot or something. And then, like, someone will come in town, like, where should we eat around here? And I'm, like, and then I text you. I literally yeah. always text you. If I have to set up a date or anything, like that's why like my dream would be to date someone who's like really good at that because I'm so bad at that that I really want to date somebody who likes picking restaurants and like can pick them really well. Um, but I do love we you know, our friend Melissa Rich has a friend named Kiki who like um she doesn't like own it, but it's her restaurant, Kiki's in yeah, um Lower East Side. Melissa like, introduced me to it when we were living together. And, and I'm like still I'm like so that's the one place like if someone comes in town I'm like go to Kiki's just because like it's guaranteed is, like so good it's Greek food it's such fucking good Greek food it's all so delicious it's one of those places that's hard to find because like they don't have a sign outside and it's in Chinatown and you're kind of like walking around and it on the outside it literally just looks like it could be like you know like a, a private a, residence almost yeah. yeah like it doesn't even look like anything and the signs are in Chinese it doesn't say Kiki's um even though it's a greek restaurant like i think they just kept the original signs from like the building yeah and um yeah it's really did i tell you about really how good melissa had like a melissa had a party and catered it with kiki's food like it was like she just had like a spread of all this kiki's food um and she it was like for 10 people and everyone was freaking out about this hummus like we were all eating different food and everyone was like oh my god this hummus is so good from kiki's like everyone was like going in and then i was like wait let me try this hummus and i have one bite and i was like, guys i was like guys this is fish bread like this isn't, like, <laughs> the this fish is bread is so hummus. good but yeah it's like that's not people that people were um, americans people were only introduced hummus. to hummus yes because and hummus wasn't even around hummus was not around when i was a kid i only had it in jewish like spaces or there was a couple middle eastern places that had hummus that i loved but like hummus and bagels were literally not in oklahoma when i was like growing up and then now they're everywhere then the starbucks were like the first no first we had st louis bread which is now panera bread they had bagels and everybody was like these are amazing And they're like and the most like, like they're like GMO bagels. They're like yeah. nine times my dad, oh my god, my fucking Philadelphia Jewish dad. Although we also had this place growing up called New York City Bagels, actually. That there was like one spot we'd have a drive through. But like, oh my god. 
yeah but they hummus like every like they'll look at like baba ganoush like what kind of hummus is this it's like it's baba ganoush like yeah but um to white people every single mush is hummus like it's all just mush it's like you never had a dip not everything's french onion dip but um (laughs) so i love love french onion dip um and then but yeah i really just like text you guys like you introduced me to all like i would have never known any of the bars that have like outdoor spaces like you showed me all this because you know what it is i don't like going into places especially alone i never explore so it's like i only explore if i'm like with somebody because i feel really awkward and and like i said i have that thing where i don't want to bother people at work like even if their job is like to work retail and it's okay that I browse, I just feel like, ugh, you don't want me here. I'll just leave no, you alone. Totally. Like- <laughs> I used to really struggle with I used to really struggle with not um I felt like I couldn't this it was bad for me, but I probably like when I was a young adult, I really felt like it was rude to enter a store and leave without buying something. <laughs> I like still I feel that way. It, and I would be like, all right, I don't want anything here. Time to find the cheapest thing to buy. I still feel like they're looking at me like a 16-year-old shoplifter. Like, I was literally, like, walking in. When I was in Palm Springs, I, like, went to their, like, Rodeo Drive or whatever, their, like, fake Rodeo Drive. And I was walking to these stores. That I didn't realize how expensive they were. And I would, like, look at the price tag and be like, <laughs> like, run out. <laughs> And I just still have this, like, I, it's like the woman working is probably my age or younger, but I still feel like the 16 year old kid that she's like, gonna like get yeah, on the walkie no, talkie and be like, follow her. Like <laughs> I got lunch with Richard Perez the other day. <laughs> I was like accidentally running late and I was like, wait, babe, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be like 15, 20 minutes late. And he was like, no, that's actually perfect. There's this clothing store. I've been dying to check out near the restaurant. Like it, it looks so cute. I've been always wanting to go. And I was like, okay cool and then I like get a text 10 minutes later that he goes this is a store for babies kids fashion is too cool you'll walk by a store and be like wait those shoes are awesome and then it's fucking baby shoes that was literally it it was so funny <laughs> That is hilarious. Oh my god. Also, like Richard's so funny. He's like looking at the little shirts, like being like, huh. Yeah. But I think you and you and you're right. You and I have really done a good tour of a lot of like Crown Heights bed slash like prospect heights. Yeah. Rialto. I I like that. No, I, they have ten dollar cocktails. Yeah. Shout out to Rialto. Oh, why Grande. would we ruin that though? Now they're gonna be the whole point is like they're not so crowded and now we just fucked it up. But Don't no, go there. We support them. Rialto Grande we do. on Franklin is fucking We go sick. to Doris a lot to play. I was gonna say one of my favorite nights I think of the past year was when you and I spent all night playing ping pong at Doris. That was so That was really fun. Fun. Doris and then remember unfolding. it's like <laughs> me and Jake, me and Jake go to Doris. There's like there's one ping pong table in the backyard and there's like always like somebody playing but they're like really unserious about it. And so like me and Jake just like stand by like, "Hey, are you guys like like how long are you playing or like what's Suddenly. the plan <laughs> <laughs> and they like marcia and i become like it's like beer pong we're like we got next round like we they all turn into instantly abandon the table because they're literally just like they're like and then we're like hey so like we can get next and they're like yeah you guys can play right now we're like good 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 move <laughs> <laughs> good thanks we, bye and then we will play until someone is like you've been on this table for like, an hour can we please yeah. return Cause that's the thing. It's like rude to like sit there by a pool table, like rushing them. But like we do it. And then I just expect, I'm like, if somebody wants to play, they can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> like, But 
there's usually not that many people who are like playing. Jake is like really. I can't even believe that I play with you because you always beat me, and I'm like, but no, wait, some you're of, good. You won. I you won, won one times. game out of the ten <laughs> games that we have played, and that Jake always beats me like twenty one to three. <laughs> one time we went and we ran into somebody, and they thought we were on a date. And then Wait, that this person was so brutal. Like, yeah, that whole exchange. Wait, tell the that story. person can, was we'll on a date. <laughs> that person was on a date, and the girl was like, kind of standing. Like, I think he thought she was further away than she was, and was he was like, "Great." Like, what had happened was like, Marsha and I had showed up to this bar, and we were walking back to play ping pong, and you kind of had a moment where you were like, "Oh, hey, like we're both here," and then we like went up and played ping pong. Like, you just like waved hi to each other. Yeah, and then like he walked up when they were leaving to say bye like slash like a high bye moment where he was like yes exactly and then he was like he was making this motion because he was trying to subtly ask if you and i were on a date and i was like oh no and then i was like are you on a date that that girl had followed exactly she was standing right behind him she was like not right behind but she was like close enough to hear and i was like are i was like are you on a date and he was, and he was like, eh, like, mm, and like made this like, so, so like kind of, but it's funny because like what, what and I feel bad fell. for. You saw her see it. Yeah. Like it really, it made me upset because like I've been that girl and I'm trying to get to the place of like what, cause what I felt in that moment was that like he was being like a loser for no reason because it's like, why would you try and play it cool when you're like out on a date? It's like, if you don't like her, don't be on the date. If you're out on a date, it just makes you look really lame to say kind of or to like not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like immature, like fuckboy shit. And but I think but I've I've dated so many fuckboys that it's like when you're the girl on the date and you're still trying to justify that he like likes you or wouldn't be like taking you out if you didn't like it's just why I was just like, why are men like this? Like it just I was like, why do you think that that makes you seem cool or confident or like you're like because it just and she was gorgeous like i I was like she was like one of the hottest people i've ever seen but it was like i feel like it was like i feel like i remember feeling this way sometimes when i was dating like there's almost an impetus especially like it's one thing if you're dating off of like an app like if you are meeting up from like tinder or something like that is quite obviously a date you are meeting up for the first time from a dating app but i feel like when it's like people you either like met organically or maybe it's like a friend and now you're like exploring dating and stuff it's like i feel like there's a hesitancy there is a gray area but it's but guys exploit that like guys that's what i really like i'm not doing that anymore because guys do this thing that just i don't get and i think it's maybe because they get validation and like emotional labor off of women that like i don't get off of them but they like they love that gray area where it's like they act like your friends, but they know there's like more history there or something more. Maybe you've hooked up or maybe, you know what I mean? But they want to keep you in this gray area, I think, so that they can keep you as like an option or something. And it's like, I'm not playing that anymore because it's like, it's got to be you either know or you don't like because it's like, you know, yeah. don't waste my time. Like, and that's taking the value away from me because it's like, you should find me valuable. Otherwise, I'm not why would I waste three hours that was a big thing with me like I don't date a lot in part because I was like busy with comedy but also because I would get really upset when I would like waste a Saturday night like where like I was dating this guy for like a, a month or so and um you know we were slowing down like we had gone from hanging out like three four times a week to like just once a week but I thought we were kind of gonna like because he was like let's go to a movie on Saturday and I was like okay like that'll be fun like I wanted to hook up still 
And then like we go, we have three drinks, we watch the whole movie. Like I'm thinking this is a date. And then afterwards I'm like, oh, do you want to go back to your place? Cause his place was like right there. And he's like, actually we should talk. And basically like tells me he doesn't want to see me anymore. And I was like, I was so upset because I was drunk. It was Saturday at 12 a.m. Then I had to go home by myself upset when I thought we were going to hook up. And it's like either text me, call me or tell me you don't have you don't have to take me to a movie to dump me. Like I'm like, you just wasted my whole fucking Saturday night. You just wasted my whole fucking Saturday night making me think it was like a date when really I was like, that's so embarrassing for me. Like, why would you embarrass me like that? Like I I was embarrassing and also like it stole your Saturday. I would be fucked. Furious. I'd that's be where so it's like, pissed. and it's like, I that's why I'm not doing it. Where it's like, you know, if we're hanging as friends, then we're hanging as friends. And in my mind, we are platonic. But if we're hanging as more, then you need to be trying, like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's just an immature thing guys do when they're insecure and when they're being fuckboys, but don't want to like admit it to themselves. Like, and it's like, it's just really unkind to women. And I find it a little bit sexist, honestly, when men are doing it because it's like, why like would you assume we'd stick around for that and it's because you know that we do because you know that we're trained to like have scarcity mentality and stuff well i think it's also a thing of like not like like let's if like giving them the giving like guys the most grace i guess in this scenario i'm saying like let's say it's like the best of intentions and they're truly like afraid to call it a date because in their mind it's like, okay, if I call it a date and it doesn't work out, then then we're exes and we can't be friends and I don't want to like lose this friend. And it's like, even in that scenario, you are making an assumption about this person's like maturity and their ability Mm -hmm. to like make their own decisions. And it's like that in itself has a misogyny to it and a condescension to it. And it's like, let what like both people should be entering every single situation with like cards on the table knowing what's going on so it's like that's what I want to start approach where it's like I'm I had to take a break because of my own like issues and I like you know self-healing blah 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 but like as I'm trying to you know sort of start over it's like I'm really trying to approach in that different way of like there's nothing to fear from honesty if all you're looking for is an honest connection but I've spent so much time like accidentally like yeah like you know not calling out bullshit because you know that men will leave but it's like those are the wrong men yeah it's like what are you actually trying to preserve if they're already like exactly but it's like but the problem is is that it's taken me a very long time to learn that and I feel like you know I have like it's just there's it's hard where it's like you can you can consider yourself an empowered woman but it's a process because you know there's so much undoing that you're like have to figure out but uh anyway so this is why it's like when I go out like I just want somebody who like knows cool places and like is mature enough to be like you know this is a date I like you (laughs) totally I think that's not too much to ask like and like also understanding like you can have a like you're not signing up for marriage by going on a date and calling it a date like it's still allowed to just be a date you know what I mean I think there shouldn't be as much of a hesitancy to do that as there sometimes sometimes is exactly but that's it's like that's why it's hard it's like this is what I'm trying to fix too is like I was like I think sometimes you'll jump in because it feels safer for the body to just try and like dive in so it's like you know you date somebody for two months and then you're like trying to like it's like your feelings are more invested than maybe they should be and so then it's like I'm trying to figure out how to have that like slow get to know somebody like but I also think it just kind of happens when the connection is right because it's like yeah 
I've because the times where I've had like stable connections like that, you don't feel rushed because that's not what the connection is. Like, how do we start? How did this become a dating podcast? I didn't want to do this. Wait, go back to going out. I did not want to talk about any of this. This I keep doing like. Uh, rewind. Anyways, back this to is, going out. But what's fun is like, guys, this is if you want to know what it's like going out with Jake Cornell and Marshavelsky, it's this. This, like, is, this it. is what we're talking about. I've had friends where I can tell they invited me out and regretted it and then don't invite me out again because <laughs> like one time I was out after my friend's show and I just I feel bad because I don't do it intentionally, like, but it's like I'll start talking about bleak shit or just like and then he literally goes like Marsha, like <laughs> can we just like not right now like and i was like i'm sorry <laughs> like i, I really anything, try i wouldn't call anything you talk about bleak though like i think it is just like re- like it's it's realistic my friend arthi golapudi said that uh or maybe she said her friend melissa said like that i have a doomsday vibe <laughs> but in like doomsday a really she was like she's like she has a uplift what is it what did she say like it's like an uplifting doomsday vibe where it's like that's i'm very doomsday so... but in a like a positive way so i don't know that's i don't know so funny but, no, I, but think, okay. I don't try I to be say, that way i, just I think can. you're someone i think you're a very fun person to go out with like you and i have had very very fun nights like that doris night like i feel like you and i have i think i'm with... fun too <laughs> yeah Wait, you remember? wait like but like i don't know you and i have similar vibes i think we're both down to like go out and kind of like i mean not when it's cold this is why i fucking hate the winter Can i know I just say this? Like, we're talking this is like the first episode no we were i recorded yesterday but like these are the this week is the first week of recording this podcast when it's like winter winter new york mm-hmm. like not cute winter where you can walk around like it's kind of like oh my gosh yesterday it was i walked literally five blocks to your house on the way home i was like i'm gonna die like i had to rush to my apartment it, it was fucking so sucks. cold and it's like, it just like I hate it because it's like my fa- I really don't fuck with people who like one of my best friends this she's like this and we get in fights about it all the time like I really fucking hate when people are like I prefer winter to summer I just don't think that like I just don't think that's a valid opinion like I don't even think it's an opinion I think it is like a negation <laughs> I of kind that. of used to say things like that and still somewhat feel that way but my problem is it's just that I hate summer I love spring and fall and I love going to the beach in summer so it's like if I could literally live on the beach all summer summer would be right, my but favorite like, what season. is the what is the winter equivalent of beach like there isn't one like everything fucking sucks I'm sorry I hate the winter and I like, like but it's like winter is an important time to go internal to go like yeah, I'm telling you that's but why it's it should be three weeks long and not <laughs> three fucking months so move to California Jake so no. leave no, so I could be mo- slightly depressed all year round instead of like really depressed. Exactly. That's where it's like I like the winter because I was always kind of the kid that felt relieved on indoor days because we could just like sit inside and play house sure. or whatever and like I didn't have to be running around. But like, um, yeah, I don't know. Wait, what were you talking about? No, but I was just gonna say like I love like a night out where it's like we go to one bar and we have a few drinks and we're like, wait, let's go to this different place and we like walk over there and like I feel like you and, and you I can't do that. Oh, in winter, winter, yeah. You just like can't do that in winter. And it really I got out of out. my like COVID isolation and I was kind of like, oh, you know, that was my. I was like, I want to just. There's a little bit of a break from comedy. Like I want to just go out and like have a drink with people. And then I remembered like, oh, it's fucking winter. I was like, <laughs> I need to wait. So last spring though was like such it was I had crazy anxiety because I remember I went I got vaccinated in April and I was like walking back and saw all these people socializing and it hit me really hard that I had not like hung out with friends in like three months 
Like yeah. I was like, it like stabbed me in the heart. I was like, oh, I need to sit down with somebody indoors and like have a laugh with them. Like, and I, I didn't even realize that I had gotten into this like Stockholm syndrome place of like, I'm fine. This is fine. I'm good with watching TV every night. I was working that horrible customer support job. That's why this year has been really brutal is because people have been expected to work the same amount, especially food service people without the relief of yeah. going out everywhere. Like that's the reason bars are open till 4 a.m. in New York is because people get off work at one yeah. and want to and need to blow off steam. And then they have the after hours places that stay open till like 8 a.m. because people are getting off work at four. And it's like you have to be able to blow off that steam. But people were getting all their food service jobs. There's nothing open. And it's like that would crush me. Like, and my job, like, I would just work nine hours indoors in my apartment, talk to nobody afterwards. And I've tweeted about this, but I knew it got dark because I was watching Glee. There was like, <laughs> I mean, there was a two month period where after work, the only thing that made my brain feel okay was putting on Glee and like watching it too. Like, it was like, I was like not on my phone, I was staring dead eyed. At fucking Leah Michelle. That's like so dark. And as someone who lives five blocks away from you, I feel like (laughs) guilt that I wasn't like kicking your door down and like pulling the rope out of your hand. You were working. I I mean, we did. You guys came over and sat on my stoop for hot chocolate when it was 10 degrees outside. And that was like the best we could do. I remember because because also what people forget is like I scheduled. It was hard because I didn't really have a pod. And I finally saw somebody make like a TikTok about how like it caused me a lot of anxiety because luckily I had a couple people that we could plan out hangs. Like, you know, we could take two weeks and then I would go over to their house in like a calculated way. But there are some people who had like a pod they could hang out with every single day, you know? And like, I didn't have that. And it was really intense and sad. Like, and, but there was like times where, you know, like my friend Arthi lives like 30 minutes away. So I lived alone. So I was like, I've been alone for two weeks. She worked retail, but it's like, I would go over, hang out. It would be amazing. But I would have so much anxiety for like the two weeks after that I had COVID or I was going to get sick. Cause that, especially before the vaccines, like it it was, is still like, if I get it, I'm going to, I might die. Like, you know, knock on wood. But um, even I got sick, I got COVID like, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, and I was just like, dude, I was still anxious and I was vaccinated and boosted. And I was like, damn, I know So it's weird when it was interesting this year to see who's willing to die for going out because some people <laughs> like it was just an interesting thing for me because I, I like going out. I felt really deprived of it, but there was no part of my brain that would ever go to like a rave and just yeah. live with the the risk of that with COVID, even though I'm young, even though I had a good totally. chance of survival, it would just not, I wouldn't even be able to have fun that night because it wouldn't be worth it. Even I did a couple outdoor shows that were just really crowded and I just let myself get loose and get drunk because I needed it. But I was so anxious afterwards that I was like, this is not worth having a panic attack for two weeks. Like, I know. I'm really curious, like, because back then, like I was work, I was still working in a restaurant at that point. And so it's like, I had this like quasi- going out thing where I was like working out so I was like you know I was behind a bar I was like socializing with people we were like you know like I could have like a glass of wine with my glass of wine with my coworker after work and like because we were seeing each other anyway so it did feel like Mm -hmm. I had this semi thing and I and I genuinely don't know like had I gone through that whole period of time without that 
<clears throat> sort of like band-aid to help cover the discrepancy and like make me feel like I was doing something like what how I would have behaved during that time and I certainly don't think I would have like gone to a rave but like I think it would have I like been pent up yeah yeah I don't know how I would have handled yeah because the service was like tough and like I think one of the toughest jobs in the pandemic like but also nice to have a little bit of that like for the nurses and I was like clap for the server I'm kidding yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's but it's nice that like you because it's funny because like whenever you feel socially deprived it's interesting what like experiences normally would be exhausting are actually like a community experience and you like really connect and bond like a hundred percent you know and then you have like you enjoy talking to people from behind the bar like I would have that whenever I'd go through like weird breakups when I was working service industry it's like I was at my best self comedically because I was just looking for these like connections and like moments of happiness and like and then I would crash but yeah yeah I totally I totally get that there was definitely there was definitely working service industry in New York there was definitely like a a crest where like it energized me and kept me on my toes in this way where I think it did make me like the funniest like sharpest I'd ever been and then it like crested and then it was the opposite where I was like my worst self at work sometimes like I was just like Mm -hmm. and it would like and that that's how I would get that's why service is hard because I'm moody and when I was working reception (laughs) I'm so moody and when I was and people just like sometimes especially because I was unhappy in my life like in my 20s and stuff a lot of the time so it's just when I'm unhappy people's faces just piss me off like I'm just like god your stupid fucking face and like when I worked at when I worked at reception that's why what people with the fucking Eric Adams saying that people at Dunkin Donuts don't have the skills to work office jobs opposite absolute opposite because like literally office jobs when I finally got there I was like this is the e-. I was like I'm never going back I'll take the pay cut this is the easiest shit oh, I've ever done in my I'm life because every, I just sit there every single and this is not a joke every single person I have worked with in the service industry who has transitioned to like an office job has been like they, no one talks about how easy this is. Like it's insane like, it's, because I could I be on are, my phone. I could yeah. eat. I I didn't. I could only talk to people on you the could phone. Piss and shit when you need to. You <laughs> like, could I'm literally sorry, use but... the bathroom when you needed to. Like, and you don't have to deal, especially in New York. You are on the front lines of stranger crazy. So it's like you're having to deal with crazy people from around yeah. the world every single day. Like, and it was just so exhausting. And it was, if I was in a good mood, I could handle it. Although it would just take one fucking asshole because the problem is people who are really strong in service and you're probably a lot better at me than this. I can't let shit go. And I've, I've worked on it, but it's like when somebody is just well, a fucking Scorpios, asshole so for no, no exactly. When somebody was just like an asshole, because it was so obvious to me that they feel powerless and are trying to get their power off on me or they're just assholes or they're just you know I had such trouble just accepting that that was a bad person and letting it go I would spiral about just like why would they treat me this way and it's like it's have so I ever told like you, you know, about the have I ever told you about the the table I tortured until they cried at a restaurant to get back <laughs> no tell me <clears throat> so this was the first restaurant I worked at in New York and it was like a super fancy like really expensive restaurant really rich people and I, um, like, super rich, horrible people every day of the week. And I worked the breakfast lunches. Which people, because so- rich people who go to restaurants like that do it so that they can be demanding. Like, 100%. and it's like, you're a cunt. So, so I, they used to sell, like, 
they used to sell fresh squeezed juices that admittedly were like four ounces of juice for eight dollars like it was like and it was like they oh my god places like that I always worked at places like that and the manager I'd be like I'm the one who has to deal with this people would come in and fucking get like a dirty chai and I'd be like that's 950 and be like what I know it was so bad all the time and so it's like every time you had to run the juice you just knew that that you would drop it off and they'd be like okay like (laughs) it's literally like a thimble of juice i've worked places like that (laughs) and they don't understand it actually takes a long ass time to squeeze even that like two i'm like like, in this restaurant's defense like this is 32 and you have 20 tables and they're like can i get an orange could we get five orange juices that's what i would work brunch places and i'd be like can we get six orange juices and five cappuccinos i'd be like okay i'll see you in an hour and a half because i have to make all those drinks (laughs) i know it was so bad and so i one time so I was, <laughs> I was, the thing is, it wasn't even my table. I was like, I was like, had a down period and I looked and like, there were juices on the bar to like, for someone else, like to run to someone else's table. And so I ran them to this other table. And when I brought them over, they, it was these three girls. I think it was like a mother <laughs> and two daughters. They started like laughing at me. Like they were like laughing at me, like hysterically, like I was like an idiot. And I was like, is something wrong? And they were like, that type of shit pissed me off so yeah, and much. They were, like, they were like, these are our juices. I would like, get, I was the type of person in my head. I'd be like, you don't know it yet, but I'm going to be very famous someday. And you're going to fucking regret that. So I go, so I go, yeah, these are your juices. And they're like, this is $8. And I was like, I know it's small, but it's fresh squeezed. So like, yeah, it's $8. And they were like, okay. And you're rich. So why do you care, bitch? Like, and they were like, okay. And like, this was peak like me being brainwashed to this restaurant to being like every guest deserves an incredible experience like I will <laughs> and so I go up to a manager see I, like, I never that's why it's like I would pretend in the interview and then day one I'm hired they'd be like okay so we really want you to be excited about the mac and cheese and I'd be like no <laughs> <laughs> so then I go over to the manager and I was like hey like just FYI like that table when I ran there it was table 20 uh it was table 21 I remember and I was like hey <laughs> remember the like, table number and I was like, hey, like those women on table 21, I just wanted to let you know, like they seemed unhappy with the size of the juice. And she was like, you know what? Like, let's just like make them happy and we're going to bring, we're going to bring them a free round of juices. And I was like, okay, like this is See, but never, if you give them an inch, they'll take them out. This is what you learn. No good deed goes unpunished in food service. If you do any, the one time you're like, you know what? That guy seems like a, good, a nice guy. I'm going to give him a free, all this. I did that one time. This guy was a regular and I was like, I'm going to give him free. This guy started expecting free shit every time yeah, he came no, in. I was like, so I did it once to be nice. Like, So then they bring her, she brings them the juices. And I was like, did they like the juices? And they, she goes, yeah, but they said you were kind of rude about it the first time. And I, my like whole body caught on fire. And I was like, they have no fucking idea. They got those free juices because I did something I didn't even have to do. Like I was being nice. And I was like, oh. It's See, these on. are the type of people, and a lot of times it is women. Like, the the men who are assholes are, like, these fucking machismo fucking losers. But the women, it's like, I don't care. They're almost always white. And it's like, I don't care that you, like, feel powerless in your decisions and your stupid fucking life that you've chosen. But, like, you go to restaurants just to fucking be like, I'm sorry, but that's your job. And it's so like, I, I will fucking headbutt you. Like, I will fucking kill you. So I walk over to the table. And in a truly psychotic way, was like, "Are you guys enjoying everything?" And they were, <laughs> I would do shit. I would be a crazy and they were like, like and they were like, they were like, and remember, like, this isn't my table. Like at this point, the only thing I did was bring them juices. Like someone, else you guys having a good day? <laughs> and they were like, and they were like, yes. And I was like, oh they my god, they could see I the aggression so in the eyes. Like, so then this was a slow brunch, so I had a lot of time to do this. So I could see I you being so intense like that too. Like, hey guys. So then I like wait a minute or two and then I stand like six feet behind the table, just standing there. 
and I wait until one of them looks at me, and then I go like, is everything okay on the table? <laughs> and the woman was like, yes. And I was like, great. And I like give her two big thumbs up. And then, I, and then I wait, and then I walk by like five minutes later, and I was like, is everything still okay? Are you guys Are you guys fun? still okay? Is everything and still a good like, experience for you? And they were like, yes. And I was like, amazing. And I did this like the entire time they were there, and to the point where they were starting to lose their minds. And it's genius, because like, what are they going to complain is. about that I'm being too nice? He's checking up on like, us too much. So then when, I, when they get up and go to leave, they're walking past me in the restaurant, and I go, I hope you all have an amazing day. And this girl stops drops her shoulders, looks up at the ceiling of the restaurant, and screams. She goes, ugh, and starts crying and walks up to the host stand and was like, and then she goes up to them and she goes up to the manager and she was like, he's been bothering us all day. And she was like, what has he been doing? And she goes, he keeps on asking us how we're doing and making sure we're enjoying everything. And the manager was like, okay and she was like it just you didn't. are literally a genius she's like no you don't know the t- genius gaslighting it because was, also it was the most if you treat servers thing. like that at the very least you deserve to have your power taken from you and your day ruined and it's like you're not gonna play those games with me because it's like listen i've gotten fired from many many places because if you're not gonna let me be a fucking bitch to people who are a bitch to me you're gonna fire me because like there were places where I was like I'm not gonna take it I'm not gonna be degraded like this like it was just so insane and I would do that shit too where I would kill them with aggressive kindness that they can like you know where it's all because because this is what it is they're being passive aggressive and they're trying to act like oh I'm just you know customer this and that and it's like I'm gonna serve that right back to you on the surface I'm gonna be doing nothing wrong but you're gonna feel how aggressive this feels and you're gonna feel because people like that Either they never work food service or they worked at fucking like a job for two months and thinks that like, you know what I mean? And it's like, and listen, like I've been very lucky. It's like I worked in food service off and on for like five, six years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but it's like, I just, that type of people where it's like, that's where you should literally be forced to be in food service because people will go like people who genuinely think that like mcdonald's is like an easy job it's like i think mcdonald's is harder than fine dining is harder than like it because it's like the the faster people expect service the more they expect to be like please like also though i genuinely think like i think like the less you are paid, the harder it is to do your job. Like the harder way harder. To, like, because like, the no degradation. One talks about that. No, that's one talks so about true. Because especially with food service, I like when I I worked as a when you're a server, like it's really really hard. But when you get like four hundred dollars in cash at the end of the night, when you're like twenty three, you're like okay. But I was a barista at this one place and they paid like $10 an hour. It was like the worst customers I've ever had to deal with. We didn't have a bathroom. So I had to constantly tell people who were drinking coffee that there was nowhere for them to pee. That's insane. And we made like no tips because like it was just like not that type of place. So literally I would get $10 in cash at the end of the night after like $40 hourly. And I quit that job within like two months because I was like, it's the same type of degradation I've dealt with at other places, but you're literally not paying me enough to deal with it. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I've had that same thing where it's like, I've worked like I've worked at restaurants where it's so busy and I'm like so stressed in the moment and I'm hustling, but I don't care because I know I'm making like hundreds of dollars and I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And then I've worked at restaurants where they don't, they fuck over the tip pool and they don't do it in exactly. an exactly. And I'm working my fucking ass off. And I'm like, I know that I'm making $100 for this entire six hour shift. And like that, is not enough. it just like, defeats you like and 
Because there's no worse feeling truly in the world than that, like, where you're so stressed from work but completely broke. Like, that is the worst feeling where, like, I kind of had that with this, the customer support job because I was, like, buying stuff for my apartment and kind of, like, spending my money. But I would, I remember just, like, a nine-hour shift where I couldn't even, like, order myself food because I was waiting for my check. And it's like, that's the worst feeling in the world where you're like, I'm working myself to the bone for what feels like nothing, but it's really just, you're floating, you know, but it was like, yeah, it's just too intense. Yeah. Those are always, and then like, you're like, and that's, it ties it back to what we're talking about, like about needing to blow off steam where you're like, all I want to do right now is go meet up with a friend and have a beer and like, just like connect, but I can't afford to do that. And it's like being, that's why being broke is like such a systemically like hard thing to dig yourself out of because it's like this is like society isn't set up to help you and also like mentally like when you're broke like the the headspace it puts you in is so dark yeah yeah it's It's fucked up and then people go into your work and like treat you like shit for no reason that's why it's like for me it's like i'll overcorrect maybe and it's like you know i get (laughs) what this is just like because like we both feel passionate about it and we've like talked about this a long time and like we're always so nice to service like this is do you remember when we had the, <laughs> do you remember when we, i'm not gonna name the bar but like do you remember when we had that period of time where we kept on going to this bar where the service was objectively like so <laughs> oh yeah wait because i love and we kept on being, cocktail we kept they have on, they have that one delicious cocktail but we kept on being like they're having a hard night and then i was like we can't finally after anymore. the third time we're like okay we can't do this anymore that was so funny because they're i kept we were too right i kept I kept wanting to make it work because they had this one was, fucking cocktail that I love. And then we kept a, but it was there like was, dating. We were like, we want this to it work. Was, like, the sex is good, but like it's bad. Like they're not like that's like it was it like felt. insane because I remember one time we literally waited 30 minutes to order a drink and they weren't busy. <laughs> And then it took another 30 minutes after that to like get the drink. And I kept walking in to go to the bathroom and the bartender was just standing there. And I was like, it's one thing when you're at a place and they're sitting there making all the drinks and you're like, okay, they just have a ton of drinks. But I was like, not to like profile, but it was very much one of those pieces where it's like, oh, you hire your staff um, based on on hotness. Yeah, Yeah. they're all very hot. And like, they are all so bad. at That's a red flag for me now with places. If you walk in and like, it's not just that people are hot. It's like they're like hot hot like, yes, they're like the service hot. is gonna be bad the food's gonna be bad like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like i'm not paying for bottle service like it's like i just want good food like and you know the guy who runs the restaurant's probably a creep i have the same thing where it's like if a chef is hot i'm like he's a terrible person there's literally <laughs> no way like i'm like i'm like it's like if a chef is hot like if i ever am at a restaurant and a chef is like really hot i'm like okay you there's no way that this is a healthy work environment like you are gonna get canceled it is you know that's what's funny is like when i first moved to new york i it's like those are the only people i've met outside of comedy are like food service people and chefs and chefs are like fascinating but psychotic people to know like i've never stayed close it's because chefs and comedians are too art forms where men can get lauded for like creative genius without risking their masculinity like totally to as a comedian or perceived as a chef is like very masculine and like but you can get like the kind of like oh that's so true of creative genius in this way that like if you are like an actor like some men will i think find like acting or things like that to be a little more like femme but like chef and it's because acting is the most embarrassing thing you could do i'll be like watching a random movie where like the actor just has to do something ridiculous and i'm like this is why I like this. Why. Yeah, 100%. I like to write my own shit. 
but um that's like that's yeah that's true like it's it's they're they're also working like 18 hours a day because like I worked for a female chef and she would like because she I think in part felt she had so much to prove she had like been poached from this major restaurant to like come head chef this like new place and so but she was like waking up literally at six in the morning to go to the farmer's market she worked the lunch shift she'd take like a two-hour break she worked the whole dinner shift and then we'd go out drinking after and she like I would like party with her and she would be out drinking like we would be out at like three four in the morning she'd be wanting to do like drugs and stuff and then I don't remember if she did drugs that might not have been her but like um she I'd be like don't, she's like, yeah, I'm going to the farmer's market at six tomorrow. And I, and, but then she burnt out so quick because I'm yeah, like, that's not sustainable. Did. Like, but a lot of chefs, like, and that's what you see them a lot of times, like they look very tired and it's because like, they're literally working like 18 hours a day. Like they're kind of like running and owning the restaurant, but like, well, it's like also one of those, like, it's one of those jobs where you kind of are expected to like earn your salt by like not, and like earn your or is it it's so toxic, earn, yeah. But it's like I just realized it's earn your salt a thing, or did I fully make that up? I think I made that up. But it's like I don't know. I've never heard you know, that. I said earn it, and I was like, salt. "That's wrong." Earn your salt. It felt yeah. real oh, to me, though. Wait, truly, the term I'm looking for is pay your dues. But it's like, pay you, <laughs> but it's this thing where you're expected to earn work your salt. Time. Can we start saying that? Yeah, you have to like work. <laughs> you have to you work get to like, earn your work. salt. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was ready to accept it. I'm like, yeah, you gotta earn your salt. What can I say? <laughs> That girl right there, she hasn't earned her salt yet. She ain't um, earned her salt. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> but like, my point is like, you're expected to work like these psychotic hours for like no money for a bunch of years. To yeah, they don't make a lot of money. And then that's why like, chefs are always right. so pissed, and you can't even do it. Like that, that was the hardest part about being a server for me because I hated dealing with the customers, but I mostly just hated the customers having requests because then the chef would get mad at me as if I'm the one requesting a well done burger. Like, I, oh my God, the female chef I worked for, it was so brutal because you could see the kitchen from the restaurant too. This, she, she was. <laughs> the customer watches you go back and like get yelled at. Yes. And like, so she was, cause she was really, cause chefs are obsessed, especially with beef, like when they're doing steaks and burgers. Like, she went out and she bought the nicest quality beef because she had been waiting to like be able to like cook her burgers like that. And in her fairness, this was the best burger I'd ever had in my life. And they charged like $20 for it, but it was fucking good. And so people would order it well done. And she would literally be like, no. And I was like, okay, but then my boss, so I go to my manager. Okay, she doesn't want to cook the steak well done. What should I tell the table? No, you have to tell her she needs to cook it well done. I go back to the chef. Hey, blah, blah, blah says you need to cook the steak well done. No, I'm not doing it. Tell the customer I'm not doing it. Okay, well, I, I, tell, I can't tell the like, customer. This is like triggering to me with divorced parents. Like, that is what I'm like, exactly. <laughs> but chefs would, like, yell at me. And then, literally, I remember this was a one specific incident where they requested, well done. She said no. I told her you have to do it. She said no. She sent me a medium burger. I took it to the table. They sent it back. Literally, the table can see her. She's like, <laughs> like cooking it. She's like, is this what they want? She's, like, scorching it. Like, she sends it back to me, burnt to a crisp. And then I send it to the table. They send it back. They're like, this is inedible. She's screaming in the kitchen. She's like, they wanted well done. That's a well done fucking burger. Like, and I'm just like, I'm not getting a tip. Okay, and this wasn't even my fault. Defense, that's 
a well-done burger is gross. Like it is. No, I mean, that's the thing is she's right. But you have this disconnect between the manager who wants the customer to always be happy yet also serve fine delicacy food. That's why it's like when chefs are in charge of restaurants, no modifications, no requests, because like they know that they're not doing it. But it's always the restaurant, the bosses being like, you need to accept any and all modifications. And then I go to the chef. I will never forget like working at places where you have to fucking put in an order that's like no lettuce. Like when the chef gets a ticket that has mods that's like this long and they look at you like I'm going to kill your mother right in front of you. Like I've (laughs) never had anybody be so pissed. And I'm like, I didn't fucking do this shit. You think I want that? Like I'm like, I don't fucking care. But like, you know what I mean? They just and they'll scream at you. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's like a theme that's come up on like in many conversations on this podcast is like restaurants that don't allow modifications outside of allergies, which ties back to what we were talking about earlier, are better for the customer and the employee. It's overall just a better Definitely. Even Uh, like when I order seamless, like if you put more than one or two requests, like it has to be easy for them to read on the ticket. Otherwise, like, and I get why it super disrupts their flow. Like, I think being a line cook is probably one of the hardest jobs ever. I never oh understood how God. they kept oh. it straight. I was so horrible when they would, like, accidentally drop a dish because then, like, it really messes up, like, the table. But I genuinely did not know how they kept any of the orders straight. I'm like, a kitchen every night literally gets influx with 200 tickets yeah. within an hour. And I don't get how they do it. I've watched cooking shows. I've watched Gordon Ramsay. I literally don't get how restaurants function. I do not get how a kitchen <laughs> works. Could, like, I could never, I can tell you with like a hundred percent confidence. I could like simply never be a line cook. It is one of the most impressive jobs in the world. No. And it's, and in this country, it's mostly like Mexican people and nobody acknowledges that, but it's like every restaurant I've worked at, most of the line cooks are Mexican. And Especially it's like this York, country yeah. would not, and especially in Oklahoma, where I'm from, like, this country yeah. would not function, would not have restaurants without Mexican people in the kitchens. And and it's like, and it's like, no, and it's like, so when people are like racist, like, and all this, like, go back to your country stuff, it's like, literally every single restaurant you eat at would not be functioning without <laughs> these people that you want to, like, send back. Like, it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, so and it's the hard. hardest job. And they're working every place I've ever worked. Those guys are just trying to, like, stack up as much money as they can so they would be working every shift i worked and more they would work like fucking 14 shifts a week like well i have to say this is exactly the marsha belsky episode i expected we touched on (laughs) we talked on we talked on gender dating dynamics we touched on workers rights and we touched on immigration rights (laughs) and then i fucking went on a rant about a guy i went on a date with four years ago (laughs) (laughs) well to wrap up i guess i would just ask like Let's talk about, like, you and I are going to go out for drinks soon. Like, what's your ideal version of the night? Like, what are we doing? Uh, You know, I am a cocktail bitch. This is what I realized. Forever, like, I would, and you know, but for me, it's worth it for me to spend $20 on, like, one cocktail plus tip than have, like, two vodka sodas I don't like that much. Like, you know what I mean? 100%. Like, yeah. So I love, and you know what I love? A fucking space cocktail is what I call them. That's why I kept trying to go back to that one place because I love a blue, <laughs> purple, pink cocktail i love something that makes yeah. me feel like i'm literally on Battlestar galactica yeah like yes. pouring from my like little liquor thing that's purple i love that's why i love that purple gin which i won't Wait. say the name of because it got famous on tiktok and then was sold out everywhere for 20 years or whatever wait, Marcia, wait. i know exactly where we're gonna go there's this new bar on fulton called famous last words and i went there <gasps> last night and it's like very very fun cocktails and very pretty glasses we're gonna go literally asap Oh my god! Wait, that's exactly what I want. But you know what? For me, I really love a place with food, like actual, like hot food, where I can yeah. get like 
because sometimes I'll go out and I, I love a cocktail bar, but I always end up wanting food and I kind of hate having to leave and like find somewhere. Well, you and know, a that lot was, of places, if they don't serve food, will let you order food to it, which is a, a that's, move yeah, that people don't I, know about. I should do that more often, but that was you one thing that... always first, obviously, but then... Yeah, know. yeah. That was one thing that was nice about Portland is, like, the reason why Portland, Oregon is, like, such a foodie town is because to have a bar there, you have to have at least four hot items on the menu, which makes... It was, it was a liquor law because, basically, it and it did work where people get less drunk, especially less violently totally, drunk totally. when they eat something. And when people get drunk, they want to eat, but a lot of the times they don't eat just because of what I said. They don't leave and get pizza because they want to stay at the bar and then they get really, really drunk. And so, but it was nice because most places, some places would just like do it on a technicality and get hot dogs. But like most places, if you have to have a kitchen to open a bar, they would actually like hire a chef and like try and have nice food. So almost everywhere you go out to get a nice cocktail in Portland also had food. And I really loved that. That's Um, So I love a place like that in New York where it's like, and even like, I love just like, you know six like just give me a cheese plate and like a fucking some tapas or something like Uh, with a fancy blue cocktail well i think we perfectly have laid out the night we're gonna go get cocktails we're gonna do a cheese board and we're gonna do hot dishes and then we'll go play ping pong ping pong yes we're gonna do it okay love you love you bye everyone thank you so much for listening to going out with jake cornell If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seesai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to VinePair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. 